Are you looking for ways to improve student behaviour at lunchtimes and develop your pupils' social and emotional skills in a way that's immediate and effective? Well, School Behaviour Secrets is back with the solutions you need to do just that. Keep listening. Welcome to the School Behaviour Secrets podcast. I'm your host, Simon Corrigan. My co-host is Emma Shackleton, and we're obsessed with helping teachers, school leaders, parents, and of course, students when classroom behaviour gets in the way of success. We're going to share the tried and tested secrets to classroom management, behavioural special needs, whole school strategy, and more, all with the aim of helping your students reach their true potential. Plus, we'll be letting you eavesdrop on our conversations with thought leaders from a around the world, so you'll get to hear the latest evidence-based strategies before anyone else. This is the School Behaviour Secrets Podcast. Hi there, Simon Corrigan here, and welcome to the Lunchbox of Delights that is another Essentials episode of School Behaviour Secrets. Today we're going to share with you some key strategies from an earlier episode that you can use to have an immediate impact on the students that you work with in your school. But before we press play on the podcast, I'd like to remind you that if you're enjoying the episode today, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss another episode. And we begin today's episode midway through a discussion my co-host Emma Shackleton and I had with Therese Heil. Therese is one of the UK's leading trainers on improving playtimes and lunchtime behaviour. In this section of the interview, we explore essential strategies that schools can implement to manage lunchtimes successfully. I suggest you know having a quiet area, suggest something called craze of the week so they have one activity a week. At the moment, lunchtime supervisor is saying to me, oh, well, it's really interesting. All our classes have got equipment, they've got playbacks, but it's really interesting because some classes hardly have any left and some classes have still got a lot, and that's to do with how they've looked after the equipment. And that's really when we could put lots of equipment out in the playground. I usually find it gets lost, stolen or broken. It doesn't last. And it is about thinking to, about teaching children how to use that equipment. But I always suggest one piece of equipment a week, and that being a craze of the week. Because children get bored. You know, a craze is something fun, and it lasts for a short period of time. But if we put everything out, it's just the same every week. So we need play equipment. We rotate, we change, and we have different equipment on different weeks. So it's making play fun for everybody. I had a school message me on social media this week. They were just saying, oh, we've just given our children pipes, wooden blocks, reels, and they've been making an obstacle course and they've cooperated, they've problem solved. They've worked together as a team. They've worked out how to stop something wobbling. You know, just so gorgeous when you just see children using all those incredible skills that are life skills. And science, I'm working with the school, they got a pond and we were talking about, well, how can we get science outside at lunchtime? You know, oh, let's get some magnifying glass. The children are fascinated with the pond. Let's get them out by the pond. Let's get some nets. The schools have so many you know, resources. And I was in the school and they got a forest school area, but there is no forest school teacher. I just thought, gosh, it's an amazing area for children to explore in this area. It's quite safe. And obviously, we have to do a risk benefit kind of assessment. But actually, you know, how can we make that a place that children want to go? And I said to this child, oh, do you ever go in here? And it was just next to the reception playground, key stage one playground. I said, do you ever go in here? He's like, no. Would you like to go in there? I was like, well, it looks a bit scary. You know, the way he looked at me was, oh, it, it looks a bit scary. So I think for some children, they actually haven't had access to those areas where, you know, they can explore with the wildlife in that little wooded area. 
leaves and twigs and build a, no, a pretend bonfire, whatever it is, make dens. There's so much opportunity in a playground. So it's going into the playground, evaluating, you know, how it is, are, and, and looking at the children, you know, are they playing well? Are they having fun or are they looking a bit bored? And really doing an audit around the playground. And then in the afternoon, I work with lunchtime supervisors. It's about getting them to value the skills that they have. A lot of them don't know that they've got this wealth of skills that they bring to the team. So I do something called um, creating an identity kit where they think about all the skills that they have. And then I also look at respect for them. So many lunchtime supervisors say, children say to them, I don't have to do what you tell me because you're just a lunchtime supervisor. So I work with them and I always have um, members of the leadership team in that meeting because they need to hear the same message that lunchtime supervisors are hearing and be supported. And I always say, you know, um, we need to think about how we are supporting our lunchtime supervisors, but also how we're that message that parents are hearing. You know, where's that message coming from in terms of lunchtime supervisors are just lunchtime supervisors. Often it is from home. They're part of the community. Parents don't respect them. So I get us to think about, well, how can we build respect? put them in the newsletter, put photos of them playing with the children and look at things like, you know, when we come into schools, often the reception areas, there's photos of everybody, but sometimes there aren't photos of lunchtime supervisors. And I always, before I go and work with a school, I look at their website, our lunchtime supervisors on the website. Early this week, I looked at their website, every member of staff was on there, but there was a section for lunchtime supervisors, but their pictures hadn't been uploaded. And we are human we make mistakes we don't get things wrong always in schools and things get forgotten but actually we can't afford to forget our lunchtime supervisors because it's the subliminal messages that they're getting and it's really really important that they feel an equal member of the team so training for them and regular training it's not just me coming in once it is actually regular meetings with somebody who supports them and also this school that I worked with this week was actually amazing they got the school business manager was now she was really supporting them was a new role for her, but she was really supporting them in their role. And she was part of the day I ran too. All, all day she was with me. And she just started performance management for lunchtime supervisors. They'd never been performance managed, but they're a member of the school team. They want to improve their skills. So let's have supportive supervision for them, supportive um, line management for them. And then after that, I then go into action planning with the senior leaders. And then we have a follow-up day as well, where we do more game playing. I teach play leaders. And then at the end of a training with a school, I do training with the whole school. So all the, I have a staff meeting where everybody's part of, because actually play lunchtime needs to be a whole school way. It's just not an add-on. It is a whole school way of being. So it's really important for everybody to be part of that. What would you say is the one core thing that the best schools do who manage lunchtime successfully that's different to everyone else? That everybody's doing it and that it's, it's consistent, that the message is consistent throughout, that there's an assembly at the beginning of the year and all lunchtime supervisors are invited to and the dis- dis- rules are discussed and that lunchtime supervisors are included, that they're important, that they're trained and that teachers and lunchtime supervisors work together. They have similar behaviour management systems and that play and lunchtimes is part of the school development plan and improvement plan. The schools that are successful are working everybody's working together to make lunchtimes a successful time and that they know that the impact of if lunchtimes don't work then we lose good teaching and learning time. Therese if you're a teacher or a school leader listening to this podcast what's the first step you can take 
to start improving lunch times in your school? First of all, think about that 20% of the school day was being really important and valuing it. And the first things to really think about are how, when was the last time your lunchtime supervisor had any training? Really important to start valuing them and making sure that they're properly trained. And thinking about those baseline things that are important, like your value system. Is it outside? Are children familiar with that? Are the rules outside that you've got inside of it? Is it the same inside to outside? Do you have a behaviour management system that's similar from inside to outside? And do lunchtime supervisors know what that is as well? And is there equal access to play opportunities for everybody? Is there something for every child in the school to do? If you've got a quiet child, is there a quiet area where they can sit and read a book? I remember when we lived in New Zealand for six years and I remember somebody I was working with saying to me, oh, New Zealand's very sporty. And she said to me, oh, my child is not sporty. He does not want to go and play croquet or football, which is what they most of them do at playtime. She said he just wants to sit quietly with a book. And I think the importance of that is that child wants to feel that that's okay. That's a skill that he has, not to feel like he's different and odd and strange to read a book, but actually that you know, that child's a good reader. He wants to sit with a book and enjoy that over lunchtimes and be quieter. And that's okay. So I think we need to look at the diversity and inclusion of all children at playtime and lunchtime too. And that was just part of our interview with Therese Hoyle, where we considered how to develop constructive play and teach children the necessary skills to reduce playground disagreements, leading to a harmonious lunchtime, both for the kids and for the adults, if you want to hear the whole interview, and I completely recommend that you do, open up your podcast app, look at the episode description. We'll put a direct link back to the original episode. That's episode number 38. All you've got to do is tap right through. I'll also add a link to Therese's website where you can find out all about her resources, books and training. If you found today's podcast helpful, please take a moment to rate and review us. It takes just 30 seconds. And when you do, it prompts the algorithm to recommend School Behaviour Secrets to other listeners. And that helps us grow the podcast and get this information out to other teachers, school leaders and parents who need it. Thanks for listening today. And I look forward to seeing you next time on School Behaviour Secrets. (laughs) Thank you.